0: Section 13 of the Byzantine Empire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Mike Botes. The Byzantine Empire: The Rearguard of European Civilization by Edward Ford section thirteen the early macedonians part one basil the macedonian was a man of humble origin who had commenced life by tramping to the capital to seek employment on one side at least he was of armenian descent the means by which he gained the crown were soon forgotten if indeed they were even generally known and he quickly won respect by his good intentions, industry, and ability. He began by partially confiscating the reckless grants made by Michael III to favorites, and having thus replenished the treasury, set himself to organize the finances as they had never yet been organized, in the interests of the taxpayers. A man of the people himself, he perfectly understood their sufferings and feelings, and his new regulations appear to have been thoroughly judicious. In legal matters he was perhaps less successful by reason of inexperience, and he appears to have caused confusion by hurrying forward the publication of the new manual, the Procuron. He conciliated the stricter clergy by reinstating ignatius in the patriarchate, the act was ratified by a church council held in 869-70 but basil refused to make further concessions to the roman papacy under the amorians dalmatia had been left almost to itself at the outset of his reign an embassy from the dalmatian slavs reached Praying for help against Saracen pirates, and a fleet of one hundred ships under Nikitas Orifas sailed for the Adriatic. Ragusa, which had been blockaded for many months, was relieved, and the Slavonic tribes became formally subject to the empire. With great good sense, Basil made no attempt to interfere with their local customs. He pursued the same wise policy with the Slavs of the Balkan peninsula. The chiefs had hitherto bought their posts. Basil permitted free election. In 871, Basil, with some trepidation probably for he was untried in war, took command against the Policians of Tefrike, now under the active lead of Chrysokir. Son of Carbias his first attack failed and he owed his life to the exertions of an officer Theophylactos called the unbearable perhaps from his bad temper he turned his attention to Italy where Saracen pirates beginning in 842 as allies of a claimant to the duchy of Beneventum were active and dangerous In 870, Ludwig II, the capable Carolingian emperor, besieged Bari, their chief center, and was assisted by Nikitas Orifas, but the admiral soon quarreled with Ludwig and withdrew. In 871, the emperor captured the city, but was soon involved in troubles in Italy, and at his death in 875, the disorder appeared worse than ever. In 874, Basil proceeded to the east. He took Samosata and Sozopetra, wasted Meritain, and gained an incomplete victory over the emir, but then returned to Constantinople, leaving a force under the general Christophorus to watch the Policians. Christophorus defeated and slew Chrysokir at Agrian, took Tefrike, and destroyed the Polician community. Many of the Policians enlisted in the imperial army for service in Italy. Thither, in eight hundred and seventy six, a large expedition was sent. Bari was occupied, and in the course of the next four years. The greater part of the present provinces of Apulia, Basilicata, and Calabria was gradually conquered, the general Nicephorus Phocas greatly distinguishing himself. Beneventum was occupied, but this conquest was transitory. The new theme of Longobardia was held for nearly two centuries. Success in Italy was to some extent offset. By disaster in Sicily, where the Saracens in 878 captured Syracuse after a splendid defence by John the Patrician. The empire now held only Toromenium and Catan in Sicily, with a few forts on Mount Etna. In 876, the imperial army took Lulu an important fortress on the slope of Cilician Taurus. Next year, Basil took command, but only wasted Cilicia and Comagene. His general, Andreas the Slav, defeated a Saracen army on the Popandos, but in the following year his successor, Stipiotis was routed near Tarsus. In 880, basil again took command but could not take germanicia and accomplished nothing of importance this was his last appearance in the field in eight hundred and eighty one a saracen raid on euboea was beaten off by the general iniatis and the emir of tarsus slain and a Cretan expedition into the Propontis was defeated by Nikitas Orephas. The Corsairs next raided the western coast of Greece, but Orephas hauled his lighter vessels across the Isthmus of Corinth, and picking up such ships as were available in the west, caught the pirate fleet of its guard and completely defeated it. The prisoners, many of whom were renegades, were executed with torture. Doubtless the provocation had been great. The raid had evidently been concerted with the African Saracens, for shortly after, a fleet from Tunis, including sixty immense ships, appeared in the Ionian Sea. It ravaged Cephalenia and Zakynthos, while Nazar, the Imperial Admiral, was detained by a general desertion of his rowers. They were replaced by a hasty levy of Peloponnesians, and Nazar then attacked the Muslims and gained a complete victory. He drove the relics of the fleet into the African ports, landed in Sicily, and wasted the neighbourhood of Palermo. The price of olive oil fell to almost nothing. The victorious ships came home laden with it. In 884 the first edition of the Basilica appeared. It was not an epoch-making piece of legislation, simply a collection of all the laws in force, more or less based upon the Code of Justinian. In some respects a conscious throwback to it. The iconoclast legislation is, of course, violently criticized, but Finlay remarks that the orthodox codifiers were glad enough to avail themselves of its help. An important feature is that the tenant farmers are once more chained to the soil. The democratic epoch of the iconoclasts has passed, For the next two centuries the dominant class is a warlike nobility, steadily encroaching upon the small cultivators. The results of this aristocratic revival were eventually disastrous. The imperial armies had been recruited from the hardy peasant class. With its gradual disappearance, the supply of good warlike material began to fail. It is difficult to blame the emperors, who did their best to protect the peasantry, or the nobles, who were as creditable an aristocracy as any state ever possessed, and for whom land was practically the only safe investment. Another evil, fostered by the victory of orthodoxy, was monarchism. The foundation of monasteries became a fashion Men stepped aside by thousands from the active work of life. Valuable land passed without hindrance into the church's dead hand. On the death of Ignatius in 878, Basil reinstated Fortius, whose reappointment was confirmed by Pope John VIII and by a church council held in 879 to 880 basil's aim all his life was to keep on good terms with the bishop of rome but the bridge between east and west was too wide to be closed by personal friendliness basil in early life had owed much to a greek lady of patras named danielis who played to him the part of a fairy godmother her wealth was enormous she appears to have been what would today be called a multimillionaire, and the inventory of her presence and property shows that Peloponnesus must have contained wealthy manufacturing towns, as well as agricultural communities and sheep farms, and that prosperity in Greece was at a high level. Basil's private life was not edifying. On the death of his first wife, he married Eudocia Ingerina, mistress of Michael III, for the same reason that the comte du Barry married Jeanne Vaubernier, and at the same time carried on an intrigue with Michael's sister Thecla. His wife's conduct was a scandal, and he passed his last years in an atmosphere of continual suspicion. He died in 886, and Leo and Alexander, whether his children or not, quietly succeeded. The reigns of Basil I and Leo VI form a period of transition from the era of defense and recuperation to that of expansion. Under Irene and the Amorians, all the great Mediterranean islands had been lost, But Basel had gained southern Italy, strengthened imperial influence in the Mediterranean and secured the frontier on the east. Internally, though the decline in the free agricultural population had already begun, the wealth of the empire was probably greater than it had ever been. The chaos in Europe drove capital into the single state where life and property were safe and justice was assured. Byzantine commerce filled the Mediterranean, and though Saracen pirates might inflict much private misery and now and then deal severe blows, the imperial fleets, on the whole, guarded the trade routes. The trade with the East was extensive and profitable. A very large part of Eurasian commerce was concentrated in the empire nearly the entire carrying trade of the mediterranean was in the hands of its maritime peoples mainly greeks the european provinces had recovered greatly under the vigorous rule of the iconoclasts Hellas was especially rich and flourishing the revenue was large and easily raised the administration was generally equitable oppression was decidedly the exception and not the rule the comparative inaction of the next eighty years was due mainly to the lack of enterprise not always unjustified of the emperors leo the sixth first act was to inter the body of michael the third with full solemnities in the church of the holy apostles it certainly gives color to the suspicion that basil was not his father leo was a kind of ninth century claudius or james the he had been educated by fortius and possessed considerable book learning but little practical ability he spent much time in elaborating court ceremonial and in compiling and re-editing books. A literary emperor was something of a curiosity to the Constantinopolitans, and when Leo composed a book of political riddles and prophecies, they forthwith dubbed him the wise. Personally, he seems to have been a kindly-natured man, but all his reign he was under the influence of ambitious placemen, first tzauces Stilianos, then samonas a saracen who was hardly even a nominal christian his morals were loose his four wives overlapped his successor was not born in wedlock photius was induced to retire in favor of the emperor's second brother stephen then only eighteen years old leo had some bickerings with stephen's successor nicolaus the mystic upon the subject of his matrimonial lapses but otherwise the ecclesiastical peace of the reign was unbroken fortius after retiring from the patriarchate spent the rest of his life in seclusion in an armenian monastery where he died in eight hundred and ninety one internally the chief event of leo's reign was the publication of a new and enlarged edition of the basilica in sixty books the administration went on as usual little affected by the emperor's personal weakness except that much trouble was caused by his selfish ministers granting trading monopolies to their creatures the ultimate consequences of this were disastrous it brought on war with bulgaria between which state and the empire peace had subsisted for over seventy years with trifling interruptions bulgaria had proved a valuable buffer state on the break-up of the khazar empire in the ninth century it had become semi-civilized and christian and had attained a considerable degree of wealth as the middleman between the empire and central europe in 892 the bulgarian king simeon after vain efforts to secure redress leo being hoodwinked by his favourites invaded the empire and defeated the army of thrace mutilating his prisoners Leo raised troubles in his rear by inciting the Turkish Magyars north of the Danube to attack Bulgaria. But Simeon successfully coped with them, and in 893 defeated a Byzantine army under Theodore the Protovestiarios and Leo Katakalon. Leo had perhaps by this time gained some inkling of the real reason for the war and he concluded peace during leo's reign the asiatic frontier was generally defended with success general nicephorus phocas distinguishing himself about 891 by a very successful invasion of cilicia in 902 a byzantine army marched up to the gates of aleppo but the Cretan pirates were very troublesome in the Aegean, raiding Lemnos in 901 and Demetrius in 902. In 904, Leo of Tripolis, a Christian renegade, sailed from Tarsus with a fleet of 54 corsair vessels, passed up the Aegean, and descended on Thessalonica, the second city of the empire which was almost ungarisoned. A gate was forced, the great city was sacked, a hideous massacre perpetrated, and 22,000 captives carried off, as we are told, though how they were conveyed requires explanation. In any case, the number was very large, and quite apart from the dreadful amount of private misery inflicted, the disgrace was great the catastrophe was due solely to the neglect of the navy by Leo's favourites. This shocking disaster forced Leo's administration to pay attention to the navy, and thereafter a large fleet of 40 to 60 dromons was kept on foot in the Aegean. In 909, the admiral Himerios gained a considerable victory over the corsairs, but an attack on crete in 912 resulted in a complete failure in the east considerable success was gained very largely by the private enterprise of phil roman armenians three barons of the region north of Melitene ceded their fiefs to the empire which with some additions became the new theme of mesopotamia An Armenian chief named Mele, meanwhile, had evicted the Saracens from a considerable tract northeast of Cilicia. He offered his conquest to the empire, and was made patrician and strategos of the newly acquired theme, which was named Lycandos, and interrupted direct communication between the emirs of Malatia and Tarsus. Leo Katakalon was now appointed general of the Armenian frontier, and about 913 he captured Theodosiopolis and wasted Fasian. The king of Iberia laid claim to these acquisitions, but the difference was adjusted by Romanus I, the empire retaining Theodosiopolis and Iberia The imperial boundary in Armenia was therefore in 920, once more where it had been under Maurice. Leo died in 912. He had reigned nearly 26 years, a period, on the whole, of advancing prosperity. The one great disaster had been the sack of Thessalonica. Otherwise, the isolated raids of the Saracens had done comparatively slight mischief. Territory had been acquired, the Asiatic frontier defended. Leo's personal weakness had not fatally interfered with the working of the administrative machine. Alexander became sole ruler for little over a year. He was a mere figurehead, but his administration committed a grievous blunder, by rejecting the overtures of Simeon of Bulgaria, for a renewal of peace. He endeavored to protect the succession of his young nephew by appointing a council of regency, and died in 913. The little emperor, Constantine VIII, at once became the center of plot and counterplot. Simeon of Bulgaria, invaded the empire in 913, and again in 914, when he gained temporary possession of Adrianople. Amid these disorders, the general Constantine Ducas endeavoured to seize the regency. He entered the palace at Constantinople, but was repulsed by the guards and slain, and his house all but extirpated by battle and execution. The intrigues at the capital ended in the young emperor's mother, Zoe Carbonopsina, who had been hitherto excluded from public affairs, becoming head of the government. She was known only as a society queen, but showed no lack of energy. In 915, a Saracen fleet was defeated off Mendoes, and in 916, a great raid made into Syria and 50,000 captives carried off. Zoe now wisely decided to make a truce with the caliph and concentrate on Bulgaria. In 917 her envoys reached Baghdad and peace was concluded on the basis of a general exchange of prisoners. The balance was much in favor of the Empire. The larger part of the army of Asia was now transferred to Europe. The Pechenegs of the South Russian plain were subsidized to attack Bulgaria. Every effort was made to ensure success and to increase the spirit of the troops, but the corps commanders were at variance. Leo Phokas, who commanded in chief, was jealous of the admiral. Romanus Lecapenos, who was to transport the Pechenegs across the Danube. Lecapenos distrusted Phocas. The first engagement resulted in a success, but Phocas wasted time in spying upon Lecapenos, and was not at his post when Simeon gave battle on August 20, 917, near the fort of Acellus, the army was entirely defeated and retreated on Mesembria, while Lekapenos, hearing of the collapse, sailed home forthwith. He has been accused of deserting his comrades, but as the broken host reached the capital safely and repelled an attack by the pursuing Bulgarians, it does not appear that it was in such danger as to render the presence of his fleet indispensable. After much obscure intrigue, Lecapenos was created general of the foreign guard, and his fortunes were greatly advanced by the young emperor's sudden passion for his youthful daughter Helena. The lovers were united in April nine hundred and nineteen, and Lecapenos created Basilio Pater, Emperor Father. A revolt under the disappointed Leo Phocas was easily suppressed, and Phocas blinded. Lecapenos next ousted Zoe, and forced her into a convent, and was crowned emperor on December 17, 919. The young Constantine and his child-wife were soon thrust into the background. Romanus I, has been described as a weak man but the accusation hardly stands in the face of facts he was resolute to found a dynasty he crowned three of his sons and in 933 made the fourth theophylactos patriarch a rare example in the byzantine history of the boy bishop so common in the west theophylactos after conducting himself in his sacred office, as might have been expected, of an indulged and pleasure-loving youth, died in 956, naturally enough, from the results of a riding accident. In 921, the king of Bulgaria advanced on Constantinople. Romanus's difficulties, with a beaten army and hostile officers and ministers, were great. Afraid to trust a single general, he divided the command among Leo and Potus Argyros and Johannes Rector. They were defeated, and Simeon sacked the suburbs of the capital. In 923 he again marched on Constantinople, but was repulsed in a gallant action in which Saktikios a general of the guard, fell after performing miracles of valour. He thereupon endeavoured to procure the assistance of the Fatimid caliph of Kerwan, but Romanus, by adroit negotiations, frustrated the design. In 925 Simeon once more advanced and took Adrenople, but Romanus, in a personal interview, succeeded in making peace. One condition was that the Bulgarian church should be independent under its own patriarch, the others are not known. It is a mere unsupported conjecture that the Balkan interior was ceded to Simeon. The latter had a legitimate casus belly but he had shown himself a mere barbarian in the brutal ravages which he permitted we may note in order to conclude the story of this dangerous enemy that shortly afterwards his army was completely defeated by the serbs and croats whom he was endeavouring to keep to their allegiance by a series of massacres and ravages and in 927 he died his empire collapsed his successor peter troubled by magyars without and rebels within could only maintain himself with difficulty in bulgaria end of section 13 recording by mike botes